0: Pretty damn queer, oh shit. No we Hello there. My name is Tom Chick, and you are listening to a very special episode of the Quarter to Three Podcast. I am here with Mr. Scott Phillips, and Scott, you are the lead designer on Saints Row Three.
1: That is correct.
0: Something you are often asked, one L or two in Phillips. It's two
1: L's. Two right. L's.
0: Uh, now, uh, before we get into me just sort of telling you how awesome the game is, uh, <laughs> tell me a little bit about when you guys finished uh, and actually I should, I should preface this by asking uh, how long have you been there at Volition?
1: Uh, I will have been here 10 years in about a month.
0: Okay, uh, so coming off of Saints Row 2, tell me a little bit about what the conversations were like when you guys were considering where do we go next?
1: Uh, well, a lot of it started with, uh, we felt like, you know, we had the gameplay where we wanted it. We had this kind of ridiculous over-the-top, uh, you know, we had insurance fraud and Septic Avenger, these, you know, just completely ridiculous, uh, focused on fun gameplay. Mm -hmm. Uh, but what we felt was that, you know, the story had a little bit too much seriousness in it, and the art tone didn't really match, uh, match well with the, uh, with the gameplay. And so kind of cohesion was one of our first big goals uh, to make the story and the, and the gameplay and the art all fit together and feel like it was you know one cohesive experience throughout the entire uh, game and you didn't have these odd moments uh, you know personally I felt like there were some odd moments in Saints Row 2 uh, specifically the one I always remember is uh, uh, in a brotherhood mission where uh, one of your lieutenants Carlos is getting dragged behind a car uh, you know, in kind of very brutal fashion. Uh, and then you free him, and essentially uh, he's so beaten up that the player character decides, you know, okay, I'm going to mercy kill him. So he kills his own lieutenant. And, this, you know, it's a very dark moment uh, in, in Saints Row 2, and I always kind of felt like, ah, that, you know, that's not the player character. That's not what I want the player character to do. Like, I want the player character to to be having fun with the world. And, you know, he's always uh you know every every ridiculous thing you throw at him he kind of comes at it with a nod and a wink and like you know he recognizes that things are a little ridiculous but you know he takes it all in stride.
0: Scott uh, did you guys get much feedback about that particular moment in in Row 2? was that something that you that you heard from the player base about?
1: Uh you know I don't know that I remember that there was a lot of feedback about that that moment mm-hmm. uh, I think I mean most of the feedback we got was was things like you know oh I love I, I just love Septic Avenger I love spraying poop on people and and uh, you know I love insurance fraud or I love running around with a ninja sword butt naked you know streaking on top of a car like those were the moments that that players you know really resonated with and and so we wanted to bring that sort of feeling that emotion and that tone into into the story more uh... because you know we felt that the story was a little bit off tone with the rest of the gameplay
0: now, now part of what this makes me think of and i, I want to point out that if you're listening and you haven't finished saints row three uh... you might want to bail because part of what i want to talk about with scott are, are very spoiler specific parts of the storyline. Uh, so, so, Scott, one of the things I want to mention, uh, early on, uh, Kiki and Viola are the two sisters who are sort of the sidekicks to the Belgian henchmen. Uh, there's a really brutal moment with them early on, uh, mm-hmm. and that has a bit of that kind of mean-spirited tone that, that you're talking about. And, mm-hmm. and I think even in Saints Row 3, they mention at one point the uh, the poison tattoo and the monster truck, the girl thrown in the back of the monster yeah. truck. Uh, yes. So there, there are touches of, of that sort of brutality, but it almost seems like you guys uh, wanted to be nicer to your characters this time around.
1: Uh, I think it was well, I think the one main difference there is that that's killbane. Like as an enemy, we kind of need the, mm. we need you to hate the enemies. Uh, and so instead of kind of making the player do something that, that I personally felt was out of tone with the player character, uh, it's a lot more acceptable to make, you know, to make your, your evil characters be really evil. They kind of have to do uh, evil things. Uh, they were also kind of doing it to each other. Uh, you know, they were all in the syndicate, and we had to kind of drive Viola to the saints. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess I hadn't thought about it in that way, and that, that is pretty uh, – we, we do have some of those moments, but I think the big – the big difference is that the player character is never really involved in them, and so I feel like the the person playing the game, you know, you're you're going to try and uh, mix yourself, you know, make yourself feel like the player character. And I always wanted the player character to be someone you could, you know, he was while he was running around and killing old ladies and stuff, you know, as you were driving him. Uh, that the character was kind of always, you know, they're the saints. They're, you know, they're out to to help the city and, you know, they're blowing shit up, but oh, uh, you know, they're just the saints. They're good-natured criminals. You know, everybody loves them and uh, you know, that's just the way they are,
0: right? Now, now part of what makes me think that you guys have more affection for characters this time around is it and maybe this is just because it's fresher in my memory than Saints Row 1 and 2, but I don't remember anything from the first two games like for instance the party Uh, conversations. You know, Bioware does a great job of depending on who's in your party, they'll talk to each other, and they'll have conversations specific to who's speaking. Uh, You guys do a little bit of that here, and I I think you really flesh out the characters in a completely different way uh, than in the previous games, and that includes even the villains. Um, Would it be accurate to say that you guys spent a lot more time or put a lot more thought into your characters this time around?
1: Uh... I think we wanted to get across more of their character. Yes, uh, I think those. I'm glad to hear that that, that uh, you know you heard those conversations between the, the different homies you can have. Uh, I think that sort of stuff where uh, where it's kind of tangential is is always a bit of a hard sell, honestly. Uh, to, you know, to management and to uh, to people that, you know, it costs money to do that stuff. And so it's it's not always easy to say, you know, only, you know, 1% of your players are going to see this. Is it really worth your time to do it? Uh, and I think, thankfully for us, we were able to do some of that stuff. Uh, and, you know, when you can get the different homies together and, you know, Oleg and, and I think Viola have conversations, there's different characters that we can really start to to. Flesh them out and, and bring them out more, uh, and that sort of stuff helps because it just happens ambiently. I think if we had tried to to force too much of it into the missions, that we would have slowed things down. But I think uh, as a whole, we got a lot more characterization uh, into the missions and into the characters that are around you in those missions. I think that was definitely something from Saints Row Two that we felt was was weak and that we needed to improve. And that, you know, if you if you go back and look at some of the Saints Row Two missions. Uh, You know, you could spend long periods of time where nobody says anything, Uh, and that was definitely a problem we felt we wanted to address with Saints Row III, where we wanted players to feel like, you know, they're living people around them. They're not just robots, uh, you know, automatons that kill whoever you're shooting at. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're also people that, you know, have a little bit of a character to themselves.
0: And I will say, Scott, this idea that uh, maybe I'm hearing something that nobody else, or that most other people who play won't hear, makes it feel almost more special. Like the fact that I hear with that little conversation between Viola and and an Angel, for instance. Uh, you know, it's not something that you guys are putting in front of everyone. It's something that I feel like I discovered. There's almost a sense of agency there. Yeah, uh, I, I,
1: I like I like that sort of stuff. Uh, I love doing it. it I think it's, uh, it was definitely something that our writer, uh, Steve Jarrows pushed really heavily, uh, and I think he was right. I think it's – but uh, it, it's definitely one of those things that's it's kind of a hard sell – uh, for for a game like ours that's so focused on action and this second a second you know shooting stuff and blowing things up it's it's uh, it's it's a bit hard sometimes to get those kind of quieter moments where it's just characters.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are. Am I correct that there are six uh, character voices to choose among? Uh,
1: let's see. I think or, or is it seven? I think with it's seven. Right. With yeah, the zombie.
0: Uh, so one of the things that I wonder as I played, I ended up with, uh, I don't know which number of the, the voices, but it's the Hispanic female voice, and every now and then she'll say something that I feel positive the other female actresses didn't say, like Madre, Madre del Dios. Like she'll say something in, in Spanish. Are there, Is there unique dialogue going on in some of those voice uh, choices?
1: Yes. Uh, different, different voices say different things in uh just about everything in gameplay uh, See, all of you know all of their idol lines are different uh there's actually you know there's some there were there were a couple moments uh you know in building the game where uh when we finally got all the voices in uh I had been playing with the white male so often that you know I I kind of knew every single line that he was going to say throughout this it's the mission where uh, where you uh dress up as Cyrus you look like uh-huh. Cyrus and invade the Thermopylae uh and there's a part where you're walking with Kia and you just kind of chat back and forth in this kind of you know off kilter way where she, you know she doesn't really understand why you're acting weird because uh, she thinks you're Cyrus and the white male player doesn't really say uh, all that much that's crazy. Uh, but then as a uh, I was what the white female I think and she has as Cyrus, she says, I like men. Uh, it, it was just this moment where I was like, what the, oh, that is amazing. Like I, that sort of stuff is, is fantastic. And, yeah, I think if people want they should. I, I would highly suggest switching up your voices and, and trying different things because there's a huge amount, amount of variety that the writers put in there.
0: So then I'm curious, uh, in my conversation with uh, with Kia at that moment, they shared a great moment where Kia confesses that she likes Shondi's music. And the the in disguise Cyrus says, "Oh yeah, I do too." And they share this odd sort of connection that I thought really humanized Kia. Uh, do do did some players miss that, or do all six voices have that connection with Kia?
1: I think they they all have different ones. Uh, I, I honestly can't say that I know what all of them are. Uh, I think the the white male player has a more like you know, uh, sort of. Uh, fun sexual conversation with her. And, uh, like I said, the, the female one says that she likes men and, uh, it, there, there's a lot of good variety there, and you know throughout the entire game with the player voices.
0: Okay, Scott. So here's the first. Uh, as I mentioned before we recorded, I love this game. I'm so in love with Saints Row Three. <laughs> However, I need to take you to task on a couple of things, and here's sure. the first thing that I'm really mad at you guys, and you're making me you're making me think about how mad I am by telling me the different voices in this mission. Why can't we replay? the single-player missions, because you guys have done such a great job with this, the scripted missions. And in Saints Row 2, you could go to the bulletin board and replay the missions, but there weren't that many of them that I felt like I wanted to do that. Almost without exception. You guys have done such a good job with these missions, and I'm really irked that I can't replay some of them. What happened?
1: Uh, that's you know purely scope and time and the amount of people we had to, to be able to do it. Like uh, The Saints Row 2 uh, mission replay board was I think one of our uh, buggiest features like even even before we shipped it was I think it had something along the lines of 8000 bugs in it that got fixed over the course of the game so it it was a phenomenally you know surprisingly difficult feature and uh, I think we just I just saw a post on uh, our internal news groups where somebody was saying that the uh, the PC mod community has figured out how to do mission replay uh, and they've actually you know, they're running into the same sorts of issues that uh, forced us to have to not do it, we, you know, just bugs. And our features don't always support it. And so, you know, you could be playing in a city that's got different uh, different things that shouldn't be there and, you right. know, screw up. Like the, the bridges might be up in a mission that they shouldn't be up and makes it impossible to complete and that sort of stuff. Like, I, honestly, I'm with you. Like, I, I wish we had it. Uh, but there's always there's always a million things I, I wish we had, and uh, I think one of the things that not everybody might recognize from from two to three Saints Row two to three is that uh, our our technology base is completely new, and so uh, nothing that came over from Saints Row two was a zero cost. Like we had to recreate you know large parts of our of our gameplay, of our arts, like our, our characters are all brand new, so you know we couldn't just say. We've got a million customization items or, you know, we've got all these features from Saints Row 2. Oh, let's just make them work. You know, let's just uh, ship them. We had to spend a lot of time to make them work.
0: So you couldn't very well just take those bulletin boards from Saints Row 2, stick them into the cribs in Saints Row 3, and have them work.
1: Yeah, I, I wish we could, but, you know, maybe future games since the technology... Uh, is probably not changing. Maybe they'll have that that opportunity.
0: Well, let me say, Scott, if the price of doing without those mission replays is the amount of persistent changes you guys made in the city, then I I think that's a fair exchange. Because one of the things that I really love about the game is how the city will permanently change over the course of the game. And some of these are just cosmetic, like those crazy, over-the-top stronghold upgrades. Mm -hmm. You know, where where suddenly you're, you're thrusting this giant purple skyscraper or into the, into the <laughs> skyline uh, uh, that's like on, on one end of the spectrum where it's just cosmetic but then at the other end of the spectrum uh, tell me how to pronounce the name of the island where the stag plane crashes and the zombie outbreak happens is that our oh. uh, a piece are a peachy?
1: I would have to I would have to ask our writers because they came <laughs> up with all those names a lot of them a lot of the names are references to uh, the wire so if <laughs> if you know the wire maybe that means something to you. Uh, I could probably get back to you with, with what it means, but I, I don't know offhand.
0: So uh, in, in thinking of ways that you guys changed the city as you as the game progressed, was there anything that you wanted to do that you couldn't? Because there's some really ambitious stuff in there, like the zombie outbreak. Uh-huh. Uh, what, was there anything that, that where you were pushing the limit and you couldn't quite get something to work?
1: I think, well, the one I would have liked to have done more with was... Uh, was the mission where it's uh, stag and the luchadors are having an all out battle. It's, it's basically the, you know, the final mission before you make a, a, a choice to end the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that mission, I, I, we wanted the whole city to feel like it was, you know, under siege and just combat everywhere, things exploding. Uh, I think we got some of it, but you know, I, I definitely would have liked to have done more with that, but you know, since it's later in the game, it's, it, we have to put, uh, we we can't always do as much as we want with it. Uh, I I think it was fun. and I, t- I think it turned out well. But you know I, I always want to do more. Uh, right. I would say like my, my personal favorite on the on the topic of city changes is actually just uh, a, a group that we call the Saints fans or, or or hating hating the Saints. Like there's a part in the game where you uh, you know you get kind of framed for uh, for Kilbane blowing up the bridge in Stillwater. And uh, there are people around the city that'll run up to you and start booing you, and you know you'll have hobos coming running up to the Saints and and jeering at you or pushing you, and that that sort of stuff. Uh, I, I'm not sure how many players saw it or felt that sort of thing, but uh, I I always thought that was that was really awesome uh, thing to get in.
0: I have to say, Scott, I always assume when that happened, it's because I either accidentally ran someone over recently <laughs> or uh, so I didn't catch that, but I love that that's in there. Um, so I want to ask you about, uh, here's another thing that I'm angry at you guys about. <laughs> uh, okay. I fortunately did not watch a lot of trailers or see a lot of the marketing for this and intentionally so, uh, because I wanted it to be a surprise. Yeah. Uh, however, I recall being at a press event and you, and you guys showed a stag trailer and I was pretty sure in that trailer I thought I saw a giant flying aircraft carrier like, like, like Shield would use in Marvel mm-hmm. Comics. Uh, and so then I played through the game and no such thing is there and i think in my head oh that must be i it was the regular aircraft carrier mission and i somehow got it in my head that it was flying and then later on, I go back and replay the ending that I didn't choose the first time and discover that you guys have taken this really, really cool reveal. You've put it in a kind of an optional mission, but then you spoiled it in the marketing. So <laughs> I, I hate that that's not more of a surprise to some people. Uh, yeah. As a game developer, how do you feel about that kind of thing? Like You have these wonderful surprises, and marketing thinks, hey, this can really help sell <laughs> the game. Uh, does, doesn't, that, doesn't that hurt you a little?
1: It was that I'll tell you that was a that's a very contentious subject. Uh, It's definitely there's a lot of different um, a lot of mixed feelings on the team about those sorts of things. Uh, You know, we really want to create these huge moments, these you know, as we call them the holy shit moments in the game, Uh, and those tend to be the the very first things that you know that that uh, marketing wants to show because you know they're these really cool impressive things. Uh, you know, so it, it makes total sense for why they want uh, to put those out in front of people's eyes and, you know, make them interested in the game. Uh, and from our perspective, you know, I, I agree. Like, I, I would like the game uh, to kind of be this pristine thing where the player doesn't know every part of the story before they go into it. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of like movie trailers. You know, sure. I, I love movie trailers, uh, but I always feel like, you know, that two-minute movie trailer... Uh, was sometimes better than, than the full, uh, you know, two-hour movie. Um, and I think what we've got, uh, we've got a lot of those moments, and they're, they're spread out really well. Uh, I'm proud of all of them, so I'm, I'm glad that people get to see them. And I think, honestly, I think the, the best argument I've heard uh, is, is, is basically it's about sales. It's, it's this. It's, you know, uh, 100% of the people that don't know about your game won't buy it. <laughs> and, and that's you know when you when you think about it you know that's absolutely true. If if someone isn't is it doesn't catch their eye or you know they don't see a video that you know makes them want to play the game you know they're never going to see it. And so from from that perspective of you know we we need to sell the game, uh, I, I totally understand it.
0: And and I do think that these days, uh, guys like like me who worry about spoilers have learned not to watch movie trailers, not to watch marketing. I mean, we've sort of learned to turn off. uh the commercials and the trailers if we want things to be a surprise uh so for instance i had no idea that the burt reynolds thing was coming but i've been told that's in the marketing too uh (laughs) uh, tell me about the thinking behind having burt reynolds as the mayor uh was it just this idea we're going to get some cool celebrity we're going to cast him as himself uh was it specifically burt reynolds uh how, how did that come about
1: uh, well, if, if Greg Donovan, our producer is here, he, he could talk more specifically about that. Cause that, I think that was kind of his, uh, his brainchild. Uh, he, he wanted the the city to feel like, uh, it's, it's so ridiculous and so over the top that, you know, it's got this, this real life character who is the mayor of the city. And, and Burt Reynolds was honestly the first, the, the, the first and only person, uh, we had talked about for, for that role. Uh, Honestly, I don't know why. I think it's uh, sort of a nostalgia. Uh, I think Burt is, he was interesting. His character was, was definitely interesting. Uh, I think a lot of people really wanted to have him as a homie, uh, since you can, you can make that player choice to, to get Burt Reynolds as a, as a follower. Uh, I think it's, that sort of stuff is fun. Like I think Gary Busey on SR2, that, that was great. I really wish we could have gotten Gary Busey in the game. Uh, but having him for the marketing and that sort of stuff, like his his personality was great, and I think uh, you know we've had uh, we we definitely wanted to get the sort of bandit characters and uh, cars in the game uh, for you to drive around in. So I think it's just it, it's fun for players to to see these real life characters, and I think we play it in a way in the game where it's it's all about fun, like it's you know. Who else could, could rule this city? You know, Burt Reynolds. Right. So it's it's just a sort of uh, tongue-in-cheek way to, to deal with the city of Steelport.
0: Do you guys have any data about, because I, I think one of this year's greatest dilemmas, uh, you know, we don't have a presidential <laughs> election or anything. I don't know what's going on with American Idol. I don't care about that. But to me, the greatest dilemma this year is choose the zombie horde or the SWAT team and Burt Reynolds. Do you have any data about how that's shaking out amongst all the people who play Saints Row 3?
1: I wish I did. Our 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 data our database, I think, is basically overloaded at this point. Uh, we've <laughs> I've been trying to get uh, to get some data from our uh, player experience uh, researcher here, and uh, it's been a little slow. We've just we basically got so much that it's uh, it's it's taking a long time for us to get it. You know, I'm really excited to hear about that as well. Uh, we did get some uh, we got some initial achievement data, uh, so we know that. Let's see. Most people chose to keep the Syndicate Tower, mm-hmm. and uh, a s- slight, though you know, some- somewhat significant majority chose to uh, save uh Oh, no, was it Shawn and Vi- Viola at the end of uh, at the end of the
0: game. So they. Wait a chose a slight majority, because I would that that to me was such a no brainer. How could you not say the fact? By the way, that you guys threw Viola and shondi in there. If it was just shondi because she'd been kind of bitchy throughout most most of the game, I can understand people sacrificing her. But it, it seems to me unconscionable that that any any meaningful percentage of people would not save shondi and Viola. I,
1: it was. I think it was. Uh, it, it wasn't small, but it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't overwhelming. I would say uh i I think you know those player choices are honestly they, they are they seem really easy to come up with but in practice they're they are damn tough and uh, I think this the final mi- uh, mission choice uh, that took a lot of uh, a lot of back and forth with production on, on that point of you know it, is it worth it like how many people will see this uh, and I think I, I'm glad we we got both those missions in there I'm glad they're both you know, I'm really proud of that they're they're very different, they're very unique. You know, you get to the end and it feels like a, a big reward uh, mm-hmm. for making that choice. And I think the, the choices ended up being, you know, I think the uh, kill killbane choice was kind of the are you do you want the Saints to be a hardcore, you know, murder incorporated gang, or do you you know, saving shondi do you want the Saints to be uh, a little more a little more fun, a little more lighthearted and, and kind of go that, you know, the celebrity route. Uh, and I think it, it worked out pretty well. And I, I, it's interesting to hear you say that it's a no-brainer because I think that happened a lot during development where, where the team was like, oh, well, everybody's going to choose this. But then, you know, the other half of the team would say, what are you talking about? Everyone is going to choose this other one. So the, those choices were actually they, – they were great. They were great to work with.
0: Well, well Scott, I will say that uh, I – you know i here's the third thing that i'm mad about and this is a, there were three things i wanted to tell you i was mad about okay. so here's here's the last one i got bring it on so obviously, I thought, yes, save Shandi, save Viola. I love the little movie ending. Uh, I love the sort of the. I love you guys' approach to boss battles, which we'll talk about in a second. But I loved the the crappy movie boss battle at the end. Uh, so I felt this. I got this fantastic sense of closure. And hovering in my little cell phone for the longest time under the little missions bar was that number one. I knew I could go back and take the other path when I was ready to see it. Uh, I took my time with it. I was doing a bunch of the activities around the city. I was just, I was, I was there's still so much gameplay even after you charge through the storyline. So eventually, I went back and I replayed the other mission, and I was delighted to discover there was the de- the data that flying carrier that was just so epic and over the top. I love what it said about uh... kia you know you you find out the implications of what would happen if she actually destroyed that statue uh... the the response from stag i love the little emptiness of the moment where kilbane is killed there was great stuff there now that wasn't my choice that was not my city that's not the choice i wanted to make i was glad to get to see it so here's what i'm angry about now when i'm running around the city that statue of Liberty thing, that steel worker up there, he is destroyed in my city <laughs> and that's not that is not the choice I made, Dad gummet. I prevented that from happening. I saved Chandi and Viola, and yet there's that smoking hulk out there which is which is funny, but I kind of feel like you guys broke my city damn it you you've invalidated my choice you you have not recognized my my final choice uh, <laughs> but, but i I do love that you make permanent. Uh, changes to the city like that uh I, I so applaud what uh just just what that does to Steelport over the course of the game it just makes the fi- the city feel just so much more alive and it gives it so much character um
1: that, but i mean that, that's great to hear uh not so that you not that you didn't like that uh that the statue was blown up but that those it, it, i mean that took a lot of time honestly those were the, those took a lot of time for the art team and I'm, I'm really uh, I'm glad to hear that that they made a difference. Uh, in terms of that, like that the statue was blown up, I'm pretty sure that's just the, the way the progression was for if you choose that ending second, then the city stays right. as, as if that was the
0: choice you made. And I sort of suspected that. Like I was like, well dang it, I should have done them in the other order <laughs> So that uh <laughs> Well I wanna ask you about a couple of quick story beats. So sure. early on, uh it seems like Johnny Gat is dead, but of course I know no he's not really dead, you didn't see him die, the airplane went down. That's that's classic movie language for he's gonna come back later. <laughs> Uh, was that intentional all along? Were you guys like wanting to hedge your bets and maybe bring him back? Or did you know early on you were going to actually decisively kill Johnny Gatt?
1: Uh, I think it was pretty early on that we, we knew we wanted to create a big, uh, a big moment for the player to want to hate uh, Philippe and the Syndicate. Hmm. And you know, kind of the, the, the biggest character by far in, you know, in Saints Row mythology and discussion is, is Johnny Gatt and so it was a pretty a pretty quick uh, choice of get, but then not a very easy uh... sale like I, I i still go back and forth about it i i'm not sure how i feel about having done it uh, i think it was a good choice to to kind of drive home that the syndicate uh, you know they're your threats and you need to kill them mm-hmm. um, but it was you know the team the team are fans of, of the franchise and you know they like the story. they like Johnny Gatt as a character, and so the team even was kind of like, why are we doing this? you know what 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 sense does it make to kill Johnny Gat? So it was it was definitely something that there was never any big consensus on, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? But I think uh, it was a good element to to drive your hatred. Uh, of the syndicate.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, this, this leads me to uh, the boss fights that you guys do. Uh, usually when I come to a boss fight in a game, I'm kind of dreading it because we kind of know all the usual tropes from boss fights. A lot of times there's a difficulty spike there. A lot of times it'll subvert the gameplay that you're used to. Um, you guys, with each of the boss fights, you certainly do subvert the usual gameplay, but it also seems like you're playing with the normal tropes of a boss fight. Uh, whether you're just doing it as a sort of a goofy QTE or whether it's a crazy like something from a Japanese action game or you just you drop a big ball on the, uh, the, the Belgian guy. You don't even get to fight him. Um, what was y'all thinking with boss fights? Like it seems like you went in intentionally wanting to play with us and trick us uh, when it came to the boss fights.
1: Uh, I think the goal for all of them, no matter which boss fight it was, was to make it feel – Kind of conclusive and big, like you you felt like. uh, I guess visceral is probably another good word. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's a lot of hatred of QTEs, uh, and and I get that perspective. Uh, Personally, I think they're they're fun. Like, I I find it satisfying to uh, to pound Kilbane in the face when you're in Murder (laughs) Brawl, or you know, or to break his neck at the you know at the very end. Uh, Those are a lot of fun for me. Or you know, smashing his space helmet. Like I think, uh, you know that that sort of God of War stuff is 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 re- it feels big. I think that's what we wanted. We didn't just want bosses that are, you know, oh he's got ten times as much hit points as everybody else, so you got to shoot him longer. Uh, that that is absolutely what I what I didn't want in the game. And so I think, you know, the the uh, cyberspace boss battle with the the Matt Miller, you know, Final Fantasy Bahamut character was was a perfect example of you know we we just wanted it to be crazy and you know a lot of our a lot of our game references other games uh and I think that's because we you know we're fans of games just like everybody else and we really love you know we love everything that we're that we put a little bit of in our game is because you know we think that stuff is great like final Fantasy is fantastic, and those boss battles are are kind of our homage to to what they sort of do and to get the player character to to mess around with those yeah i mean those tropes of of gameplay mm-hmm
0: mm-hmm uh, one of the one of the uh, gameplay changes that I was questionable about at first and ended up being won over by uh, you use a sort of a regenerating health model, um, whereas previously uh, you had to load up on hamburgers or or, uh, or, or drinks. Uh, what what led to not wanting to use the equivalent of health potions anymore?
1: Well, Saints Row One and Two, they, you you did have regenerating health. You had additional. You had the burgers and. and uh, I'm not sure if drugs gave you health back but they were they were there mm-hmm. uh, mainly we wanted to move the uh, the grenade radial we wanted to we wanted offhand grenades essentially and the best way for us to do it uh, was to remove the the food from the food mechanic uh, I think it was a much it was it was a definite upgrade to the to the mechanics of the game uh, offhand grenades are you know, by far more fun than having to pull up your radial, select grenade, and then throw a grenade, and then go back and select a, a rifle or something. It's you know, a single button tap to throw a grenade is. Uh, I think it really makes the combat more fun and explosive.
0: Right now, do you do you realize there is a casualty of your choice to do the grenades that way? Do you know what I'm thinking of?
1: Uh, well, drugs is my first thought, but
0: well, well, drugs and and the burgers. There is no uh, freckle bitches in Steelport. <laughs> Why can't there be Freckle Bitches in Steel Part?
1: <laughs> uh, you know, it's an interesting franchise. That's another one that there's kind of uh, there's, there's a couple of different camps here on the team. You know, some people think it's, it's great. Some people think it's dumb. So this time we lean towards, you know, there's no, there's no Freckle Bitches uh, franchise in the city of Steelport. So, you know, maybe maybe in the future Freckle bitches will come back, but uh they did not make it their appearance in st Row Three.
0: I actually I cannot I am a little surprised, uh Scott, to hear you to hear that some people thought Freckle Bitches was like Freckle Bitches is dumb, but that's what's good about it. That's what makes it <laughs> that's what makes it funny. Uh and you guys still have plenty of stuff like Thunder Pumps I just noticed was the name of the gas stations. Uh-huh. That's, that's dumb, but that's funny. Uh
1: well, that's, the thing, the thing, well, for me personally, I'm in the camp of I'm not a big fan of Freckle Bitches. Uh, personally, it's because I, the name just sounds like there's nothing clever in the name. I think that's my problem with it. It's, it's not like, uh, what, is, what is, I think GTA uses Burger Shot. Like, to me, that's kind of clever. Freckle Bitches just sounds like you're swearing. Like, it's not, there's nothing really uh, subtle or, or there's no clever thought behind it, in my personal opinion.
0: Well, I, I, you're so you're down on freckle because I I okay well I'm pro freckle bitches you're anti freckle bitches so <laughs> yeah
1: up to each their own I think everybody's got their own opinion on uh, on what they what sort of humor they like and what they don't like well
0: then here you go Scott how do you feel about uh, live nude food tips and grits because <laughs> that's a billboard in, in the game I don't know if there's that's actually not... a, a place but I love that that's funny that's, to no me.
1: I agree that sounds great like that that to me that's clever that's funny. I guess cuz it rhymes. Maybe. <laughs> exactly. It's it's I mean that just that rolls off the tongue.
0: And I love too the subtitle live nude food. I mean that's just that's a that's a beautiful bit of absurdity. Yes. Uh All right, so another quick story beat I wanted to ask you about. Uh er, there's a mission early on where Zemos uh sells you as a sex slave to get into Safe Word. <laughs> yes. Uh and then suddenly Without any sort of exposition or transition, you're just in a mission, naked and drunk. So I'm curious: is there a cutscene missing there, or is that the joke? Uh,
1: well, the idea was, uh, you know, you, that you, you get brought to the uh, to the uh, the club, Safe Word, and that they essentially drug you and put you on sort of a uh, uh, what was that movie with uh, Liam Neeson? Uh. taken taken yes they put you in sort of a uh, you know people are bidding on you and that sort of thing and I think you know Zemos comes running in and I think he he might not have said it in the final game but in earlier iterations he talks about you know that he bought you at the auction and that's why you know he's he's letting you out so it it was kind of a uh, you know, ideally we would have done more with it, but I think it, at that point we, we couldn't add more cutscenes and we couldn't add more. So we just kind of ne- needed to do it in a more uh, a more subtle way. Well, maybe not subtle, but <laughs> it was slightly more slightly more abrupt than we would have ideally liked, but uh, I, I still think it was it was pretty funny and I, I definitely like that mission for me was all about the player waking up nude and drugged. Uh, and having to fight through this this uh, this syndicate uh, location, like I think that the dialogue in there, if you listen to the the player voices, the different player voices, I think is just some of the some of the best in the game.
0: Uh, once again, I would love to, but I can't replay the missions. <laughs> uh, well,
1: if you play co-op, I think that's the only way to to do it. Is
0: Fight when you haven't
1: done it yet. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, So, actually, that makes me want to ask you what is going on? I don't know what the rules are here, but what's going on with pixelation over the nudity? Because Electronic Arts had, like, breaths right and left in the Saboteur and the Godfather game. Uh, What determines what is pixelated uh, in, in, in a game like this?
1: Uh. I think we basically just carried over what we had from Saints Row 2 in terms of, like, what areas and what situations were were pixelated. Uh, basically, it comes down to, I think it's it's a matter of, you know, I, I'm not sure what, uh, let's see, in Saboteur, I would imagine it was something like you couldn't actually attack the women who were, you know, topless or whatever. Ah, right, right. Uh, you know, for, for a game like us, if you have... Uh, uh, if the player is, you know, is showing off his, his bodily parts and is then you know, beating up an old lady and then, and then uh, teabagging her, like that, that sort of thing is what sets off the ESRB. It's when you can do things uh, to anyone at any time and you can kind of sexualize it with that sort of nudity. Uh, that's when it kind of pushes the line uh for what we can do uh with the ratings boards. I think in, in limited situations, like there's other games that have done it. You know, I think uh I, I hadn't remembered the saboteur, but like we are just looking at uh uh what Dante's Inferno. If if you get to the very end of Dante's Inferno, uh you fight Satan and he's got Satan's got this big black dong dangling between his legs. Uh, and I think it's because, you know, it, well, it, it, for one degree, it's Satan. It's not an old lady <laughs> like it would be in Saints Row. Uh, so it's, it's the context and what you can do with that nudity that I think sets us apart. Because you can do anything in Saints Row, that's where we have to be a little more restrictive with that stuff.
0: And it's why, for instance, there's no children in the world. Like, uh, yeah. because so- you can't you can't make yeah, people I, like immune like like uh bethesda makes them immune to damage and it's kind of weird and yeah, it stands yeah. out
1: uh, yeah that that sort of stuff gets wonky kids are always weird because yeah i mean you don't want you don't want people it's it's awkward you don't want people driving around running over kids i think for some reason it's just a, a sort of a you know taboo that, that right. we just kind of don't push
0: and you don't want a bunch of invincible children running around the city either. Yeah, so.
1: I, I really don't like that in, in sort of racing games when they need to do, you know, you, oh, you ran into someone, but they teleported three feet to the left and dodged your uh, your car. Like, that, that sort of stuff is really wonky, and I don't like that.
0: Yeah, the, the, the pedestrians in, in Ubisoft's driver game, very, very spry. Yes Uh, Unbelievably so (laughs) So uh, Scott I want to ask you then Finally about uh, So Horde Mode Um everything in Saints Row 2 is so woven together and integrated and feels like it's a part of the city or, or it unfolds over the storyline or it's part of this great RPG system you have uh, Horde Mode oddly enough kind of sits outside in its own in, in its little self-contained package and even for a guy like me who plays on the 360 and will do a lot of things for an achievement that I wouldn't otherwise do uh, there are no achievements for Horde Mode uh, why does it kind of sit in its own little compartment
1: uh, well, if you played Saints Row 2, we had uh, we had Zombie Uprising. Uh, horde mode is kind of the you know not successor but spiritual successor to kind of the idea of of uh, Zombie Uprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, horde mode was was kind of like a not a not a director's cut, but like we kind of took all the most ridiculous things in the game uh, and and put them into Horde mode and kind of amp them up you know you get the 20 foot tall hookers and the one foot tall uh miniature coke cans running around fighting you uh so it was meant to be i guess it was meant to be on the main menu which i guess is different now that i think about it than uh than zombie uprising which was available from your uh the tv sets Yeah. yeah uh i think it was we we just wanted kind of a separate mode i think that 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 word itself and that spelling was kind of so uh it got latched onto Mm -hmm. and so we just wanted to uh... you know kind of showcase it a little bit uh... achievement wise i think that came down to uh... we we weren't sure we weren't sure where horde mode was going like was it going to be on the main menu was it going to be in the game uh... how are we giving player access to it and so it, it it came up we wanted to add them but it came up too late and we were already kind of into the submission process, and so you know we, we just didn't have them. And it, like honestly, I, I did a lot of the achievements uh, stuff for uh, for sr three, uh, and it's really hard to limit yourself to just fifty uh, <laughs> achievements. If it, it, for a game like us, like I, I wanted to reward the player for so much more stuff.
0: Well, you kind of cheated when you think about it. I mean, that I spent so much time in that Saints book. Like looking up those challenges in there, uh, like the achievements are one thing, but those challenges in that Saints book, I am bound and determined to get every single one of those more <laughs> so than I am to get 1,000 gamer score points. Uh, nice. So well,
1: yeah, that, I think that's our, right now, that is the, the achievement that the least number of people have in Saints Row 3 is the uh, complete all challenges. Right. So that's, what, that's a damn tough one.
0: Uh, in the Horde mode, uh, I played it a little bit while I was playing a single-player game, but then I stopped because I, w- I was seeing weapons that I hadn't gotten yet. And it was, it's my whole weird thing with spoilers. So going back and playing Horde mode, one of the things that I've noticed is that you mentioned the sizes, the 20-foot-tall hookers, the 10-inch-tall the Coke cans. I fully expected there was going to be something like that in the single-player, like a shrink ray or a giant character or something. Uh, yeah. Why didn't you guys play with that in the campaign? Was there not a place for it?
1: It's it's primarily technical. Like uh, some of the reasons we could do it in Horde was because we limited you to certain weapons. Hmm. Uh, you know, if you could, we have the uh, you know the sprint uh, or the uh, the awesome button takedowns. Like you could run up to somebody and, and ah. do a pile driver and stuff. And if it was a twenty foot tall person, you couldn't do that. And that starts to lead into weird like. Oh, well, you know, player situations where it's like, oh, well, why didn't my attack just work? And it, right. it's, it just gets, it starts to get tricky when you give the player all their tools. And and then you have to deal with the repercussions of, oh, well, they have all of these different things they could do. And we need to deal with all of them on different size characters. It gets it gets a, a lot harder.
0: I'm just now imagining what's going to happen if I pick up a 10-inch tall person as a human shield. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: It would look hilarious. It would be awesome. Uh, but it would just, you know, we just didn't have the time to, to do more with it.
0: Sure. So so finally, Scott, uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the specific characters. Um, what, uh, is Kenzie as popular amongst you guys as as I can imagine she must be? Kenzie, I find her so completely adorable and almost tailor-made to, like, video game dorks like myself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, does Kenzie have a special place for you guys like she does for me? Is that just me? No, I,
1: I think we all really like her. I think she's a, she's a character that, uh, we, we had a, an interesting arc with her. I guess it kind of does come through if you complete all of the city takeover for her. She, she has this arc, you know, that she's kind of weird and, and she, you know, uh, she just hangs out in her own little crib. She doesn't really go anywhere or, you know, she's afraid of everything. And, and we had this nice arc where, uh, she, you know, eventually at the end, I think she she gets pancakes, and she tells you like she's very proud of herself for going out to a diner and getting pancakes. <laughs> uh, you know, so that, that sort of that sort of love and care uh, to that character. You know, our our, our writer Steve Jaros, uh worked on Saints Row. He was the writer for Saints Row One and Two, and and Saints Row Three as well. So he he definitely puts a lot of uh, a lot of care into. Bringing, you know, that they're not just a stereotype, that there's a little more to what they are and who they are. And I think her and uh, Oleg have an interesting relationship, too, as well, that I think, you know, is would be fun to to explore more of.
0: Uh, I didn't like having her along with, uh, is Josh Blake the actor dude? Josh Burke? Burke, yeah. I don't, I, I don't I, She's way too. she's way too good for him, and I don't like how much she's into his stupid vampire TV show. Yeah, uh, I don't like that.
1: <laughs> okay. I will tell Steve that you don't like that. Yeah, that the, uh, the Nightblade stuff was was a lot of fun. We that was one that that we kind of latched onto very early, and I think we we just really liked. You know, since there's this whole uh, you know the 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 vampire stuff with what is it uh, the, the uh, like, like True Blood new, and yeah new yeah. The, the what's the uh, the new blood the the new. Uh, Twilight. Twilight, Twilight, right, uh, right. Yeah, that sort of stuff and sort of Zac Efron and these, yeah. you know, teen, teeny bopper movie stars. And that was the sort of angle we went with them. And I think it was it was a lot of fun to, to work with those characters and to write, to, you know, to work with uh, the writers on, you know, making them seem really douchey and, and sort of <laughs> guys that you, you want to hate. But, you know, they're also, you know, you, you, you like kind of being around them.
0: Uh, Let me tell you one of my favorite emergent activities. This isn't an in-game activity. This is my own. This is my Tom Chick activity. This is something I've set up for myself in Saints Row 3. I take a helicopter. I go out to I I don't know how to say it, so I'll just say Arapiche Island after the the zombie outbreak. I hover a little bit over the ground, and then I call as my backup homie, Josh Burke. (laughs) He shows up. He drives underneath my helicopter, and the zombies start swirling around. (laughs) I dismiss him and he gets out of the car and gets overrun by zombies <laughs> <laughs> and I hover up there and watch the zombies eat josh perk that's that's my favorite that's my favorite little emergent activity I've come up with it on my own uh <laughs> that's that's what I like to do in saint show three uh.
1: that's pretty awesome well, I think
0: you know we can uh, we can look into uh turning that into
1: a diversion in the in the future where you can kill your homies for fun. Only the ones
0: I don't like, though. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, okay. ab- I wouldn't abandon Kenzie down there, for instance.
1: I think that, you know, some people might not like Kenzie, so maybe you got to be, uh, be equal opportunity to be open to, to killing, like letting other people kill characters you like.
0: <laughs> so, uh, finally, Scott, I want to ask you before we go, What when, you, uh, when you're, like, playing in earnest, for real, if you were going for one playthrough on Saints Row 3, do you pick Burt Reynolds and the SWAT team, or do you pick the zombie horde? uh man see see I hope you know now thinking what you've put us through <laughs> I I think I would have to go with Bert
1: and the SWAT team
0: oh that's the wrong uh, answer I, Scott you know
1: I you know I love I love zombies I love them but Bert plus a SWAT team I think that. The, the, that overpowers uh, the zombies.
0: I do appreciate that those of us who chose the zombies, you throw us a bone by still letting us call Burt Reynolds to to, to call off the cops. Yeah. Like we still get that option. Yes. Uh, and by the way, so what determines, here's something I've, I've wondered, what determines whether or not a character is busy when I call him or her on my cell phone? Uh,
1: there's a cool down, and then there's also... Uh, Within, if you're certain missions, they become disabled because we w- we don't want you to bring two copies of Shaundy to a right. certain mission. Right. Uh, but by and large, it's it's the uh, uh, the cool down. We've definitely been seeing uh, that's one area where we're, where we've seen some bugs and heard some bugs of uh, people like they you know one of our one of our prop artists was just telling me uh, that yesterday I think that he couldn't get Burt Reynolds to come to him. Uh, and that was an issue with like he had beaten the game once but he hadn't beat, beaten the other ending so it was the city was in a kind of an odd situation uh, so it I, I think that's an area where you know we, we might need to look for some uh, for some title update uh, bug fixes we
0: well, you know I don't I don't know that that's a bug so much as that's Burt Reynolds reacting to you. You guys have displaced him by putting Pierce in the mayor. I don't know if you know this. In the ending, Pierce is designated yeah. the mayor, and when that happened, my thinking was, "Wait a minute, we've already got a way cooler mayor. How how is this going to wash? This doesn't fly with me." So of course, Burt Reynolds would be sullen and not come when you call him.
1: Yes, he he, is, he doesn't like being under Pierce. Yeah, I think I think that was just uh, uh you know we we didn't. Didn't know everything at the time, and so that line got written, and it's a cool line. It's, it's fun at the end of the game, but, uh, yeah, maybe right. Bert's just being a jerk.
0: And, and that, to me, is just another example of why I, I'm i so partial to the other ending. <laughs> 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 uh, well, well, Scott, what is it like there for you guys now? Are you working on DLC? Is it a lot of uh, update stuff? Is everyone off on vacations? It's been, what it's, is it, it's th- a, three it's a weeks? Uh-huh. Yeah,
1: uh, let's see, November 15th, so, yeah, it's been about three weeks uh... it's a big mix you know there's uh... i'm taking off a bunch of vacation there's lots of people taking off vacation uh... we're working on you know other projects we've got we definitely have dlc in the pipe uh... there's people people crunching i think right now to try and get some out uh... relatively soon you know i i would say more but i i just uh, sure. no. i don't know what uh... what our marketing guys would uh... slap me in the face for saying uh, but there's, there's, there's definitely some cool stuff, and we've been able to, uh, to, uh, to play with it uh, in testing things that they've just been getting ready. So I, I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of pretty cool over-the-top, uh, I think, you know, because that's the direction we've gone. I think we've, we've definitely, with the DLC, uh, I don't know if you played any of the SR2 DLC, but, you know, that tended to be even more ridiculous than, than the main campaign. And I think, uh, I think you can expect uh, a similar level of uh, upping the ante for uh, the SR3 DLC.
0: Normally, Scott, if someone were to say that, I would just think, well, yeah, of course, that's the expected way they're going to (laughs) sell and present their DLC. But considering how Saints Row 3 kind of starts at 11 and continues to ratchet up and top itself, uh, coming from you, I I will accept that. I I believe that. (laughs) you, you You guys definitely had to go over the top, above and beyond being over the top. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah, it, it was definitely interesting talking talking to the uh, to the press early on because I don't think people really understood or you know we couldn't really convey the sort of ridiculousness that we end up with, and so uh, it's it's been cool seeing people kind of recognize wow yeah they they were being totally honest when they said that this game is over the top. <laughs>
0: Well, Scott, thank you for uh, hanging out with me today. I've really appreciated uh, talking about this. And I, I, and thank you even more. I, I just want to say, Saints Row 3, and I can't say this about every game I play. A lot of games I play, and I sort of sink into them, and there's this kind of grim determination, and I'm going to beat the game, and I'm going to finish it. Saints Row 3 just made, made me happy. Like, I just I grinned constantly while I was playing it. And, and I, I, I just it, thank you for making me happy for, for 40 hours. No problem. I, I love it. Love it! I, I, can I ask you a quick question? Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Did you now? Now you
1: say you grinned. Did you? Uh, what did you think of the uh, the part of the mission where you get to choose whether to uh, kill Kilbane or save Shandi? That uh, that music track at that.
0: Oh my! That's. I mean that the fact that so you you get through this great game and all this cool stuff is happening and over the top and these great little moments that there is something that delicious. That is saved until that far into the game. I I mean, I just appreciated that you guys still had something that ingenious to show me that far into the end game. Uh, You know that what's this? uh, Not I need another hero. What's the name of the song?
1: Yeah, no, it's it's I need a hero.
0: I need a hero. Yeah, Uh, I I mean, and and that's the thing. I just before we talked, I played the other ending uh, again because I wanted to see what happened. And just getting to go through that beat again, just the fact that that song comes in, I just I could have hugged you guys.
1: (laughs) I'm 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 really glad to hear that because that was totally the uh, you know the whole goal with that with that moment was just make the player smile, and I'm glad to hear that we accomplished that
0: absolutely absolutely yeah so all right well uh best of luck with I, I really hope this game is doing just gangbusters for you guys it deserves to uh, i'm glad you're working on dlc i can't wait to see what you've got up your sleeve uh, and and thanks for thanks for the game and thanks for talking to me scott
1: yeah thank you very much for having me it's a little
0: bit down here. Down here no one told me to dress up well you well oh. this is pretty damn queer we're shit, no we're stuck, we're stuck together oh, oh. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. 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 You should be all cynical, critical, all lyrical, chemical, well, nothing you can't do better than that, I assure you sure you cause you could be, a seminal, criminal, liminal, animal, criminal, criminal, liminal, animal, biblical, and god, knows analytical. Ooh, ooh.